Would you give God a big hand clap of praise right where you at? Awesome. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, worship team. I appreciate you. So uh, today's opening day for baseball. Any uh, any baseball fans in general? Everybody like baseball? All right, where are my uh, Cub fans at? Any Cub fans in the house? All right, well, that's it. Um, anybody like the other team? We're going to pray for Pastor Jason. Anybody here can care less about sports. It doesn't bother you in the slightest. All right, so the rest of you are just flat out ignoring me and being rude. That's good to know. Thank you, guys. Um, I, I love opening day. I'll tell you why I love opening day for a few reasons. One, I'm a Cubs fan, and so we don't have a lot of uh, championships in the last 100 years. We got one. We got one, baby, um, but uh, we don't have a lot. And so I'm really grateful for that one, but there's been a lot of opening days where, you know, you don't have any. And so here's the cool part for me about opening day is on opening day, meaning the first day of the baseball season, everybody has the same record, right? Everybody's 0-0. Um, the Cubs are now 0-1. We lost today, so, you know, that's what's going to happen the rest of the season. But it's kind of nice because in that first day of opening day, there's hope for every team. Every team, even the worst team coming into the season thinks, you know, if this happens and this happens and Jesus shows up and makes this happen and all these miracles happen, we might just have a chance, maybe a little bit. You have more hope on opening day than on any other day during the season. And so I like opening day because on opening day, everyone has the same mission. On, every, on opening day, everyone has the same goal. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to do things without a purpose and without a goal. I don't like wasting time. I, I don't know. I, I did bad in school, especially as a kid, whenever they gave us busy work. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're in school and you know this isn't helping you at all. It's just they needed to give you something to kill time. And so they give you like a worksheet. Even in kindergarten when they would give me a sheet to color, I'm like, why? What is this going to do for my life? I'm not going to be Picasso. I don't want to. I hate drawing. Like every time they gave me busy work, I wouldn't do it. Because I, I don't like doing anything that I didn't feel had a purpose or had a mission behind it. And even like when I play video games, I don't just sit there. Like if I'm not playing like with tasks, I think video games are really smart with how they set games up now. They give you these little daily objectives and these little missions and these little tokens. And your brain actually responds to accomplishing missions. When you accomplish something that you set out to do, your brain releases endorphins and there's this great satisfaction. It's actually why uh, gamblers become addicted because they win one time and their mind thinks they'll always win every time they try. So I say all that because we're starting a series today that I want to call Mission Minded. And at some point we're going to talk about global missions and things like that because I think that's part of the equation but I want you to understand, when I say having a mission mindset, I am talking about the purpose that God has for the church and the believer on this earth. You were saved for a reason. Those of you who believe in Jesus Christ, who have a relationship with God, who call themselves Christians, there is a mission that has been assigned to you even before you said yes to Jesus. The Bible says that God had a purpose and plan long before you ever said yes to him. He already had good work set out for you for when you said yes. There was a reason for your life. And the problem is too often we narrow down Christianity to the moment of salvation. Like when I say yes to a relationship with Jesus, that's the end of it. Well, if that was the end of it, then you'd go straight to heaven. But that's not the end of it. 
right? The end of it is not just going to heaven. There is a purpose here on earth. While you are here, while you're breathing air, God has a purpose and a plan and a mission for you. And I said this earlier in pre-service prayer. There are specific tasks that each of us have that, that exists outside of the church. Some of you are called to be dentists. Some of you are called to be lawyers. Some of you are called to run restaurants. Some of you are called, you know, to, I don't know, be gardeners. Like, there's all these different jobs and careers. And sometimes we confuse purpose and mission with job and career. <laughs> some of you have talents to sing. Some of you have talents to preach. Some of you have talents to, to make friends. Like, those are all unique to you, and those are all special. And I use the illustration of when I used to work at Target, we would hire somebody for a job, right? Let's say during, especially during holiday season, I would hire like 250 people at a time. And we would hire people for the toy section. We'd hire people for the clothing section. We'd hire people to work in the back room. We'd hire people to work cashiers. We'd hire people to work at Starbucks. We had all these different positions. But one of the things we told everyone during the orientation process, once you got hired and you're on the team, one of the things we did is we trained everybody on how to work the register. And we told everyone, I don't care what your job is. I don't care if you're the store manager or if you're the janitor. If we need cashiers, that means you. So if there was a big line and we called for cashiers, we'd be mad for the people trying to hide out in the back because nobody likes cashiering. Cashiering is the worst. I hated cashiering. I was in HR, hired in my office. They're like, we need cashiers. I was like, Oop, turn that down, right? But I knew at some point, okay, I got to go help. Why? Because we're all cashiers, right? I say that because in the kingdom of God, in this family that we call church, we all have different gifts and different roles, and those are unique and special and perfect and assigned to you, but we're all cashiers, and when I say we're all cashiers, what I mean is we all have the responsibility, we all have the mission to tell others about the life and relationship we have with Jesus Christ. To give them an opportunity to say yes to the very thing that you and I said yes to. That doesn't mean we make anybody. I'm not holding someone at gunpoint and be like, yes to Jesus. And you're like, okay, that doesn't last. That's not, that's not real. Okay, we're not, we're not going to do that. But it is the, the obligation to talk about that, to share your faith. As a matter of fact, the Bible describes it as the great commission, meaning all of us have the same mission, co-community mission. We all have this one mission. It's not on the screen, but listen to me when I read it for you. Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20, and I'll read this throughout the month. Therefore, go and make disciples, in other words, followers of Jesus, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What's the point of what we do every Thursday night? It's not to play basketball before service. It's not to play spicy uno and hang out and just talk to your friends. It's not to sit here and listen to P. Joey or just sing along to the band. There is a purpose behind why this youth group was created. And behind all the little extras, the main purpose is to make disciples, to raise up followers of Jesus, teach them what it means to follow and to have a relationship with God, and to get them through that process where they can go and make disciples. That's at the core of what we do. And if you don't understand that, then you can't help us do that. And so all this month, we're going to be looking at what that means for us as a youth ministry. But today, I wanted to really zero in on a very important facet of accomplishing this mission. One, that if you as an individual don't do well, you will ruin the mission for everybody. And that has to do with your character. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down, character. Character matters. Character is a vital and very important thing if we are going to accomplish the mission 
people need to have good character. I was actually listening to a podcast uh, today, and I heard this story that I thought was interesting. There was a man in New York around the 60s, 1960s, by the name of Joseph Colombo. And Joseph Colombo was getting on all the late-night talk shows and was kind of making the rounds throughout the media, talking about this organization that he started called the Italian-American Civil Rights League. He started the Italian-American Civil Rights League. And the purpose of the Italian-American Civil Rights League was to stop the perception and stereotypes of Italian-Americans in the United States, right? That they all just sit around eating spaghetti and meatballs, and even worse, that every Italian person is attached to the mafia. And so this organization, they would like sue commercials that, that depicted Italian-Americans in bad light. They actually were, were big in preventing The Godfather from being filmed. And so The Godfather, the movie, got held up because the Italian-American Civil Rights League did not want them to continue to perpetuate the stereotype of Italian-Americans being in the mafia. This is what Joseph Colombo was working really hard to do. And on the surface, that seems awesome. Until you find out... <laughs> that Joseph Colombo was the head of one of the largest crime families in the entire city of New York. The top five mafias in that city, Joseph Colombo, is in charge of one of them. Here he is, the head of the mafia, who started a nonprofit organization to stop stereotypes of Italian-Americans being in the mafia. Really what he was trying to do was cover up what they were doing and, and try to take the light off of him. But here's the, that, that's the interesting part, and this is why I want to talk to you, because who you are matters so much more than what you say. And so often we think, well, I'm saying the right things. Yeah, but you're living the wrong way. And the problem is I hear you talking, but I can't listen because who it's coming from. I, I said this story, and I don't, I don't want, I'm not trying to be mean. I just want to be real with you. Can I be real with y'all tonight? Just be, are we real, right? I am not the skinniest person in the room, obviously, not the skinniest. And I remember at one point I sat down, uh, my doctor told me to sit down with the nutritionist. I said, all right, bet I'll sit down with the nutritionist. And I'm in this room, I'm waiting for the nutritionist to walk in, and I kid you not, y'all, the nutritionist was bigger than me. And I'm looking at the nutritionist, and they're like, well, you know, instead of like four tortillas, you should eat one tortilla. And I'm like, you should stop eating tortillas, like... Are you coming at me? Like, you're bigger than me. Like, how are you? And I didn't want to be mean. I was trying to be rude. And what she was saying was true. It was just hard to hear it because she was saying it. Right? And again, I'm not being bogus here. I'm just being real. If somebody is telling you something and you're sitting there, let's be honest. You ever get that from your mom and dad? Right? Your mom and dad try to tell you something and you're like, really? You going to tell me that? You're like, hey, you should have cursed. Really? Who do you think I learned that from? <laughs> hey, you shouldn't be having all that attitude. Really? Where do you think I got the attitude from? Like, again, we get annoyed because it's not that what they're saying is wrong. It's the fact that they're saying it. And we have a hard time when the character doesn't line up with the message. And so I want to focus in on that. And in order to do that, I really want us to look at Ephesians chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles or you're taking notes, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. Listen to what the word of the Lord says, just two verses. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Let me read that again. So be careful how you live. 
Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Remember, who you are often matters more than what you say. And what I like about these two verses is it gives us some really good instruction, some really good um, understanding of what that looks like to have good character. Right? And for those of you who've never heard the word character, character is it's a powerful thing because it's the makeup of who you are. If you can have good character, it could really help you in life. Here's what I've learned from good character. A good character will defend you when you're not in the room. All right? You know what I mean by that? I mean, if people are talking about you, if they're sitting there going, hey, man, you heard, uh, you know, I heard uh, Ara's walking around and she's been like punching random girls in the face at school and da da da. People who know Ara are going to be like, nah, that's not Ara. Why? Because I know her character, and that's just not part of her character, right? The character, when you know someone's character, on the opposite side, bad character makes anything believable, right? So if somebody made, like, one mistake, and then you suddenly, like, hey, you heard so-and-so, I heard they killed, like, half the people on their block, like, straight up went into their rooms and murdered them. You're like, yo, that sounds crazy, but low-key, I kind of believe it. Because they look a little weird. Like they got that, you know, when they look at you, like they're looking through you. Yeah, I don't, man, that might be true. Because bad character will reinforce bad behavior. But good character, when, when you have a good reputation, when you carry yourself in a good way, when you have good character, it has a way of defending you even when you're not in the room. And so here, Ephesians, it gives us some breakdown on how to have good character. And the first one, if you're taking notes, is you got to remember to be careful. Be careful with how you live. This is an interesting one because oftentimes we don't think about how we live. We just live. We just, we just go about our day. We just we do our thing. You ever had like your mom and dad yell at you like, weren't you thinking? You're like, low key, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking. Like there's a story in my house. I'm, I'm 36 years old. This happened when I was like 10. Nobody ever forgets it and they bring it up to this day. I walk into a Walgreens. My aunt was like, hey, go buy me a can of pop. I said, all right, bet. I go into the Walgreens. I go into the fridge thing. I pull out a can of pop. I go to the register. The register rings me up. I pay the guy. Guy gives me back. I go to the car, give her the can of pop. She looks at me and says, where's my change? I said, what change? She said, you pay $5 for a can of pop? I pay what the dude told me to pay. What do you, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Can of pop does not cost $5. I was like, well, I don't know. The guy, the guy told me. Now, I knew, I was old enough to know, pop doesn't cost $5. So I had to go back in. Here's what happened. I took the can from a six-pack in the fridge. So when he rang it up, it rang up as a six-pack, not a can. And that's why he charged me $5. Now, to this day, I feel like the registered dude was the idiot, not me. Like, he was at least 18 years old. Like, he should have known that a can of pop doesn't cost $5. Why everybody making fun of me? I was like 10. But to this day, I go shopping, and they're like, make sure you don't spend $5 on a can of pop. Do, 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 do. And I'm like, shut up, bro. It was like one time, like 30 years ago. Like, get off my back with that. But listen, when we make mistakes, they have a way of following us. People will keep bringing it up. People will keep chasing it. So the reason that happened to me is because I wasn't thinking. I was just on autopilot just kind of doing my thing. And most of the time, when we make mistakes, when we do things that we regret, it's often because we weren't thinking. You know, when I said something that hurt you, I just wasn't thinking. When I made that joke, I wasn't thinking about how it was going to affect you. 
When I forgot to invite you, I just wasn't thinking about inviting. I just, there's so many times where you just weren't thinking. And this is where the Bible is saying, hey, listen, you got to be careful. In other words, you got to pay attention. You got to watch your life. You got to watch your actions. You got to watch and see how things affect other people. You got to take a moment to be careful, to think about it. Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 says, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. When your life doesn't line up with your words, people have a hard time with that. And again, I'm going to be just super transparent tonight because I'm old and when you're old, you don't care anymore. So I'm going to be real with you. Those of you who've been to Excel for a long time, you've seen leaders, people that were teaching you how to read the Bible, people who prayed over you, people who, who loved on you, who told you do this and don't do that. You see them walk away from God and live a way that's opposite in how they told you to live. And it's affected you. And it's hurt you. And it's maybe even made you think twice about listening to somebody else. Because here's this person that was maybe my small group leader or maybe just somebody I trusted in church. And they were telling me this and this and that. And now the very thing they told me not to do, they're posting about it on their social media. Listen, when you... When your character doesn't line up, it doesn't just affect you. What does Timothy say, right? It says, you got to be careful with how you live. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. There's a lot of people who walked away from God because the people who first introduced them walked away and hurt them. There's a lot of people who walked away from the Lord because the people in the church that they trusted, that they thought, well, you're the church, you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to live that way, and you didn't. Now I associate you with God, and so I'm disillusioned with the Lord. I don't want to have anything to do with church anymore. I don't know if that's right, but I know it's real. I know that there's a lot of people who are back to where they were before they knew God, not because God failed them, but because you and I failed them. Now again, I'm not saying this to be perfect, but I need to be transparent with you. Your leaders are people too, and they may fail. But this is why it's important that you have character, because you may not notice this, but there's people who watch you too. You may not have the title of a leader, but spiritually, there are people who are looking at you and the way that you live, and they're wondering if you're the real deal. Friends that are at school that, that you've invited to church and that they've always said no and that you're like, no, nah, they'll never want to have a relationship with God. They never want to do anything. And that may seem that way on the outside, but on the inside, they're just watching you. Because I remember when I was in high school and I was trying to be Christian and live right, it wasn't my Christian friends that would call me out. It was my unbelieving friends that would call me out. The worst thing I can hear is, I thought you were Christian. I thought Christians weren't supposed to do that. And low key, it was like the saltiest feeling ever. I'm just sitting there like, man, they're right. And they don't even believe in God, and they're calling me out. Why are they calling me out? Because I think deep down they wanted to believe. And you were the only source that they had, and you failed them. Now, again, I, I don't want to put all the pressure on you. People are responsible for their own things, right? But I do need to help you understand that there is truth to this. And that you got to be careful Keep a close watch on how you live. When it says on how you live and your teaching, what he's saying is make sure those two things line up. Make sure that how you live and what you teach line up. Now, here's what happens. A lot of times, how you want to live and what you want to teach don't line up. And so we pick, I'd rather just live wrong and not teach anything. And what I'm saying is, no, you are called to teach. And your life has to catch up with your teaching. 
You are called to preach the gospel. We have a mission, and you have to live up to the mission. So a lot of times we say no to the mission because we don't want to live according to the mission's principles. And what God is saying is, no, 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 you still have the mission. You're just failing at the mission because you don't want to step up to live according to that. Does that mean you got to be perfect? No, because there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. We all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God, every one of us. But there are people that look to you. With my daughter, my daughter now almost two years old, you know how much I got to watch myself? Because she copies everything I do. All my hand signals, all my little attitude things, she's just a little copycat. She's soaking up everything. And so now I got to be careful when I'm around her because any little thing I do, I notice she starts to do. There's no different with new people and friends of yours when they're trying to see what it means to have a relationship with God and they're watching you live your life and they're trying to find out, does their life match up to their teaching? And you know what? What I love about your generation specifically is you have one of the strongest how do I say this in an appropriate pastoral way? Um, abilities to see fake than any other generation. Oh, you smell fake quick. You know when somebody's full of it. You know when it's not the real thing. You can tell the genuine from the fake. So when he says, be careful how you live, what he's saying is, hey, listen, work really hard at being genuine. Being genuine isn't being perfect. It means you're trying to live up to what you preach. Number two, if you're taking notes, is you got to be credible. You got to be genuine. You got to be careful with how you live, but you also have to be credible. The Bible goes on to say when we read in Ephesians, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Today is April Fool's Day. It's the day where I've never did it because I thought it was weird, but people like to just say lies. But, ha, ha, April Fool's. I remember in high school, one of my buddies called me up, and he, he's like, one of my friends, Antonio, goes, Antonio's in the hospital. He just got into a car accident. We got to go. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, April Fool's. And I'm like, how did you think that was funny? That's like, dude, that's, I was scared. Like, that's my friend. Like, why would you think that's funny? <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> right? And so, you know, but it's that day. It's a day. And here's the problem, right, with being a fool. If I, there's a, probably a number of definitions of fool, but here's one that I can give you. A fool is somebody you don't take seriously. A fool is somebody you don't take seriously. If I could use it in modern-day vernacular, a fool would be the clown emoji, right? When somebody's like, oh, did you hear what so-and-so say? And you just throw them the clown emoji, like, they're a clown. What does that mean? Don't take them seriously. Like, what they say doesn't matter. They're just, they're just a clown. And, and here, this is the important thing, because what he's saying is, hey, listen, don't live like a clown. Don't be a fool, but like those who are wise. Why? Because if people can't take you seriously, how are they going to believe the mission that God has given you? If they, if, I just can't take you seriously. So for me, just, again, being honest, I guess today is honest day. Uh, I remember for years as a teenager and as a young adult, I had this sense to preach. I had this sense to teach people about Jesus. I had this deep passion to let people know about Jesus. But I had a hard time doing that because I also had this sense of trying to be funny. And my sense of humor at the time didn't line up with my convictions as a Christian. And so I would say things and I would do things that were a foolish way of doing things, and it didn't line up with what I was trying to say. And so eventually I got to a point where I had to decide, do I want to be the fool or do I want to be wise? Do I want people to laugh at me or do I want people to be with me? And a lot of times, let's be, again, those of us who are the class clown, those of us who like to make these really inappropriate jokes to get a reaction, a lot of that is seated in insecurity. A lot of that is just, I mean, I just want people to acknowledge me. I just want people to notice me. 
And so we do these things for attention. We do these things so that somebody will notice us. And all I'm saying is God is already giving you something that's noticeable. And you don't have to be a fool to get attention because the very words that God has placed in your heart are powerful enough to give you all the attention you need. And with that attention, it allows you to do something with it. I had a hard time throughout many years of my life because I was more interested in being funny than being taken seriously. Even up until the point where I knew I was going to become a pastor, I realized, man, I got a couple months to get serious because people aren't going to take me seriously. Why are anybody going to follow me if they look at me like a fool? Listen, <laughs> James chapter 3, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. A lot of us, it's up here, but it's not living out in real life. A lot of us know what we ought to do, know how we ought to act, know what we should say, but we don't do it. And here what it's saying is, listen, if you're wise and you understand God's ways, prove it. Live that way. Be that person. Don't just go with what everybody else goes with. Don't just say with what everybody else says because you know, everybody else laughed and, and you thought it was funny. There are so many jokes I look back at and I go, I can't believe I said that. But I know why I said it. I said it because shocking things get people's attention. And I thought if I say that, I'll be, you know, shocking. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, I became a much more impactful when I started to become genuine and credible and I stopped trying to be funny. Because here's the truth. It's still funny. It still made people laugh. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I, that's part of the personality that God gave me. God didn't say, hey, I want you to stop being funny. What he said is, I want people to start taking you seriously. You can still be whoever God created you to be personality-wise. You don't have to change that. You just have to make sure that while you're being who God called you to be, people can still be, can see you as credible. Again, what I mean by credible is uh, I believe that you are who you say you are, and I'm going to trust you, right? When a doctor comes in the room, when you're at a doctor's office, there's some credibility there. When the doctor's office, I see a little diploma hanging on the wall. You got that little badge, right? I don't know you personally, but I, there's some credentials to your name. And so when you say take off your clothes, I'm like, all right, well, you're a doctor, Right? But if you're just like at school and some random person comes in and says, oh, I'm going to give you an examination, you're like, well, you might be the one ending up in the hospital, so you could try, but you ain't going to touch me, bro. <laughs> Credibility matters because God has given you a message. And if people don't believe the messenger, they can't believe the message. They got to know that you're credible. They got to know that you're genuine. One more example, because how many of y'all have been getting a lot of like, I don't know if you get it at your age as much as I get it at my age, but I get a lot of like warrant, car warranty calls and your social security calls. You know, it's that robot that calls you. It's like, we are calling because your warranty is running out. And I'm like, God. And I always answer because it's usually from places that like I think are cool. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know, maybe somebody that knows me. And it's always like, hi, this is a robot trying to trick you. And I'm like, God. Right? There's no credibility there. You know that's not a real person. You're not going to sit there and give them your information. Because the message doesn't matter. It's the messenger that matters. Third thing, if you're taking notes, right? You got to be careful. You got to be credible. And you got to be calculated. 
You got to be calculated. Make the most of every opportunity. Someone who's calculated, they don't waste anything, right? The idea of calculated means you've added up all the numbers. There's no waste in this. You know exactly what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it. You are going to take advantage of every opportunity. There is purpose behind what you're doing. That's what a, a calculated person does. Meaning this wasn't accidental. This was planned. This was calculated. You and I have to learn to be calculated in our approaches with people, to make the most of every opportunity. On a regular basis, God gives you divine opportunities. And what I mean by divine opportunities is these are moments that God has orchestrated from beginning of time for you to have an interaction with an individual on his behalf. And many times you miss that opportunity because you're not calculated enough. You're not paying attention enough. You ever, you ever had like maybe in school, you know, you had a friend and you notice like this girl or this guy likes them and they're like flirting and you're like, oh my gosh. And then the friend doesn't pick up on it. And they're like, what? And I'm like, are you serious? They totally like you. Really? Yes. No. Are you dumb? Like, you had a shot, bro. You had a shot. Right? Like, there's this moment where you're like, dude, are you serious? And so often, there are these divine interactions, these divine moments that God sets up for you. And if you're really unlucky, later on, you realize, man, I should have said something. Man, I had this chance just that they were reaching out, they were trying, and a lot of times we don't pick up on it. You know, so a lot of times you might have somebody to come, hey, what do, you, what do you do every Thursday night that you're not at home? Someone who's not calculated goes, eh, nothing. No, nothing crazy. Dude, they asked you, you had a chance. So let's say you say, well, you know, I go to this youth group. Well, why do you go to youth group? Again, calculated opportunity. Mm, I don't know, just, you know, go with my brother, just kind of hang out. They're reaching out. They're trying to, to get you to open up. Now, now, if you're sitting there, they're like, hey, well, why do you go? Hey, can I be real with you? Can I tell you why, why I go? And you give them the story and you, you give them your testimony of how you encountered a relationship with Jesus Christ and what that means to you. And after all that, they're like, oh, yeah, man, that's, that's good for you, you know, like, I appreciate you inviting me, but, yeah, I don't think I want to go. Okay, fine. But if after all that you go, man, I, I can pick you up if you want to come this week. And they say, yeah, you know, that'd be cool. And you took advantage of a calculated opportunity. And so often we lose people, not because they don't want to hear it, but because you don't pay attention when they do. There are so many people who are willing to at least hear your story if you're willing to pick up on the fact that they're trying. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Right? That doesn't mean you're going to win it all in that one shot, but make the most out of it. Maybe that opportunity is just an opportunity to be a friend to somebody first for the first time. Right? Maybe it's just somebody new. Maybe you come here and there's somebody new that's never been here and you have a divine opportunity to just be their friend. Now listen, if they're new, don't be like weird. Don't make the most opportunity means don't like, it's not like you're gonna, hey, listen, oh, you're new here. We're gonna, we're gonna come over here. There's a baptismal tank. We're gonna fill it up and we're gonna give you, it's just like a bath. And it, that's weird. Don't do that. Like, you know, I think that's weird. Don't do that, right? Don't trick somebody into baptism. That's not gonna work. Okay, listen, if, it's, if there's somebody new, just here's the easy way. Hey, my name's Joey. What's your name? Oh, dope, dope. How'd you get here? 
Oh, oh, seriously? I know that person. Oh, you go to that school? Oh, no way. I used to go to that. Awesome. Hey, listen, are you going to be coming back next week? Yeah, dope, dope. Hey, let's, you got like a gamer tag or something we can hit up, or, you know, you got social media, I follow you on, on Instagram or TikTok or something. Bam, awesome, it's not creepy, it's not weird, you didn't freak people out, you're just, so many people have said, I don't know how to make friends. It really ain't rocket science, bro. Just say hi. What if they don't say hi back? Then they're weird and keep moving on, it's fine. <laughs> Most people at least know how to go, <laughs> but we got to, understand that God has given us opportunities, right? So when you're here and somebody here is new, I'm not saying like 50 of you should go up to them at the same time, because again, that's weird. But if one of you just goes, hey, nice to meet you, okay, cool, well, hey, I hope you enjoy yourself, see you later, and then you go to your friend and go, hey, I just met somebody, it's their first time here, they're new, you should go say hi. Oh, okay, cool. Now, this new person feels welcome, feels like this is a safe place to be, feels like this is maybe somewhere they want to come back. Maybe they didn't give their life to Jesus and fall out in the Holy Spirit and have all this crazy encounter moment. And Okay. But they're willing to come back because you made the most of the opportunity while they were here. That means for people that come here, for opportunities that you have outside of here, wherever you might be, God is giving you divine opportunities to do something. What are you doing with those moments God has given you? And are you even paying close enough attention to notice when he's given you those divine opportunities? Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. <clears throat> I talked about how this is part of the mission that God has given us and why character is such an important thing. And uh, this Sunday is actually Easter Sunday. Those of you who don't know the background on that, it's the Sunday where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This week is referred to as Holy Week. And, you know, I don't know if, like, this is the exact week, you know, the month and day and all that stuff. Obviously, it's not. Uh, but it's a week where we take it, we celebrate it leading up to Easter. Tomorrow's Good Friday. If you follow us on, on Facebook at Belmont, I did a little video that will explain a little bit about Good Friday. And today, Thursday, the day before Good Friday, there was an interesting, a number of interesting things that went down. One of them was an event that's known as the Last Supper. You ever seen that, like, picture where Jesus sitting out with all his homies at the table? Like, that happened on this night. And at the Last Supper, Jesus is breaking bread and, and, and sharing a drink, and he's explaining what's about to happen. He's explaining that my body's going to be broken on the cross and that I'm going to die crucified, beaten, and bruised so that I can pay the ultimate price for the sin of the world. Because the Bible tells us that as a result of sin, the penalty is death. Like, because of our sin, a price has to be paid. And that price is really too high for any of us to fully pay it. And so Jesus, being perfect, came down to earth as a man, lived among us, taught, did this whole shebang that you read in the Bible, and then willingly gave up his life on the cross so that you and I can live a life that he's called us to live according to his purposes. So on Thursday, he's talking to these disciples that he's raised up because these are the people that he's entrusting with the mission of telling everybody about what he did. Because that's important, right? Like if somebody, let's say you had a rich great-grandfather and they died and they left $5 million to your name, but no one ever came and told you. And you live your whole life not knowing that. 
And then one day when you're 95 years old, somebody said, oh, snap, uh, your great-grandfather actually left you $5 million, and uh, we just forgot to tell you. Here's the deal. The $5 million was always yours, but you couldn't accept it because you never knew about it. So this gift that Jesus is giving us, this free gift of salvation, he is entrusting the responsibility and the mission to these men and future disciples, meaning you and I, to share what's going on. And while he's breaking bread with them, he starts to call some things out. And one of the things he calls out is the fact that one of you in this room is going to be the one who betrays me to these people. Who's going to turn his back on me and turn me in. Now we know because we read the story that that man ends up being Judas. But here's the interesting thing when you read that scripture. Is while they're sitting at that table and they're breaking bread, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And it got kind of awkward. They got kind of quiet, and everyone's just kind of looking down. And then one by one, they start asking this question, is it me? Am I the one who's going to betray you? Is it I, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? I find that so fascinating because I think each of those disciples understood that they have the capability of having that character, of being the one who would betray Jesus even though they never wanted to, they were each willing to ask that question, tell me if it's me. Tell me if it's my character that's gonna be the one that turns you in. Tell me if my character ends up being the bad guy in this story. I say that because I think it's important for you and I to have the same level of humility and understanding. God, am I the one who's not living up to the mission you called me to be? Is my character not lining up with what I'm supposed to be teaching? Am I not being careful with the life that you've given me? Am I not credible with the message that you've entrusted to me? Am I not calculated with the opportunities you present me? God, am I failing with the mission you've given me? Only a person who cares enough about the mission cares enough to ask that question. And the ones who didn't, The one who didn't ask, is it I, was Judas. I'm not calling you Judas. Kind of low-key am, but not totally. Because you still have an opportunity to make sure that you do well with the mission that God has given you. I want to close out with this verse. Titus chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose you will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. I'm talking to those of you in this room who are believers, who call yourself Christians, who feel like you have a relationship with God. If you are 100% certain about that, then you need to be 100% certain that your character lines up with the mission that you've been called to. Does that mean you got to be perfect? No, again, none of us are perfect. You're going to make mistakes. No mission goes according to plan 100%. But every soldier is willing to go on that mission even when they know the risks that are involved. 
I'm going to have you stand up as we get ready to close. And in a moment, I want to pray for the Christians in this room. But before I do, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Just nothing weird. I'm not going to go like punch you in the face or anything. I just want you to, to listen to my voice and not get distracted for a couple minutes. Because you might be here. And when I said, hey, is this you, that, that Christian 100% all in? Your answer wasn't yes. You might be here and you've never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't really fully even understand what all that means. And again, I'm not going to go through another half hour to explain every little detail. But here's what I'm going to explain. That Jesus Christ loved you at your worst moment in your worst sin. He's not waiting for you to get better. He's not waiting for you to grow up. He's saying right here in this moment, I loved you enough to sacrifice my life so that you can experience everlasting life in heaven. So that you can experience what it means to have a personal relationship with the living God. So that you and I can be connected because it was sin that was pulling you away from me. That's the message that God has called believers to preach. And if you're in this room saying, I never heard that message, or maybe I've just never accepted that message. And you're saying, but I want to. I want to say yes to Jesus. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're this great mega Christian. doesn't mean that you got it all figured out. It means that today you want to start a journey with growing and understanding who Jesus Christ is in your life. So before I pray for the believers, I just want to make sure I cover this. If there's anyone in this room who says, Pastor Joey, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want a relationship with God. I want to learn to love him as much as he already loves me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody needs to be looking around. This is between you and the Lord. I want to pray for you, that simple prayer. All I need to know is if that's you, if you want me to pray for you. So just signal me by lifting up your hand and let me know, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? Thank you, sweetie. Is there anyone else that says, Pastor, that's me. I, I want to accept Jesus in my life. I want to have a relationship with God. Awesome. Anyone else? Let me pray for you, sweetheart. Heavenly Father, Lord, you saw that hand that was raised. Lord, I know what you have spoken to her heart. And God, I just pray that this would be the moment where it's finalized, where it's secure, where it's known. That she has been forgiven and she can now live a life according to your word. God, I just pray right now that your love would overcome her. Father, I pray that your love would speak to her. I pray that your love would give her those next few steps. And in that same way, Lord, I pray for every other individual in this room who calls himself a Christian, who has a relationship with you, who comes here for a mission and a purpose. And God, I pray, help us even now, Lord, to have this mission of character on our mind, to understand that who we are sometimes matters so much more than what we say. And the reason we don't say the very thing you called us to say it's because we know we're not living the way you called us to live. And so, God, I just ask, help us to live that way. Help us to be righteous. Help us to have a good example, God. Help us to be careful with the life that you've given us. Help us to be credible with the message that you've entrusted with us. Help us to be calculated with the opportunities that you present us. 
Lord, we want to accomplish goals in this room, God. We want to see this ministry grow. We want to see young people say yes to Jesus. We want to see young people worship you and praise you. We want to see lives turn around. We want to see addictions fall. We want to see chains broken. We want to see the miraculous accomplished. We want to do it in your name, God. But we can't do it if our character doesn't line up well with that name. So, Father, I pray, let it begin with us. Let it start with the person in the mirror. Call us out if there's areas that you need to call out. Help us in those areas where we need your help. Father, we need your love and your grace and your mercy to be what you called us to be. So, Father, I pray, by your Holy Spirit, would you enable us to fulfill the mission for which you've called us. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, why don't you... uh, as you're standing, Pastor Jason is just going to lead us in this small chorus. Let's close out as we worship God, as we declare this mission before him, as we trust him with that very next step.